0: Hello, dog It's me, Bob Sham. I hope you're not uh how how's the leftover uh turkey? We hope you had a wonderful and a peaceful Thanksgiving, nonetheless. Hope it wasn't too dramatic. All families have issues, right? But in this episode, we're gonna lay November to rest because Christmas time is around the corner. Next week on the show, we will be discussing the Christmassy documentary Tree Man, directed by John Reiner and Brad. Roth's Child, about this dude named Francois who comes from Quebec and sells Christmas trees every year on the streets of New York City. And he's got a family back home and he's got a family in New York. Definitely a more upbeat movie for the season. That is one that Ginger and I will be doing together. Ginger comes and we will discuss Tree Man. And things do get a little personal. But, folks, that is not all. After. Tree Man, later in that week on Friday, you know sometimes we drop episodes on Friday. That might happen a lot more consistently very soon. But I'm forewarning this time, because on that, ep- on that day, I'll be dropping an episode with a very special guest. He is the host of Cocaine and Rhinestones, and co-host of Your Favorite Band Sucks with Mark Mosley. Two very popular podcasts. Fellow Nashville native Tyler Mahan Co. On this show, the Documenteers discussing the Orson Welles classic F for Fake. I'm really excited to drop that one on you, and I hope you listen. Tell your friends. But on this show, today's show, right here, right now, Drew and I went to the theaters. It's an in theaters edition, and usually that means things get real loose. It's not as clippy. You don't hear as much clips from the movie or anything. But I got to hand it to Drew, even though he didn't take notes while we were in the theater watching this. He really uh, did his homework. But it is about a young man by the name of Alex Honnold, who is going to free solo climb. That means no ropes, no safety equipment. This mountain in Yosemite called El Capitan, he's going to climb the nose, free solo, no safety gear. And if he accomplishes it, it will be a first in human history. How will it break down? That's right. We are discussing free solo. By the time you hear this, it might not be in theaters anymore. But uh, but it did get an extended showing at uh, at our local independent theater. But it's gotten a lot of critical praise. So if you are curious about this, and if you wanted to hold out for when it's available for rental, which I'm sure it will be soon, I would understand if you did that because this is spoilery. Around the same time I watched, we watched this movie. I also saw the new Halloween. Which the new Halloween, by the way, is. I did enjoy it. I give it a 3.75 Clint Howard. So if you've seen the new Halloween, just rate it one through five Clint Howard's, combine it with mine. And that's the best out of 10 Clint Howard's. And just email me, uh, the total and we will ascribe it permanently. But I saw them about the same time. So I got those two movies mixed up. So while yes, free solo spoilery, I also accidentally spoil the end of the new Halloween. So maybe, uh, Check that. Just giving you a warning. I think it's within the last uh, six, seven minutes of the podcast. Boy, that is a guess pulled out of my ass. This movie, Free Solo, it has a song that comes with it by Tim McGraw, and he did a song called Gravity. Drew hates the song. I give it five out of five Rebecca Blacks, so he gave it a zero. But let's disqualify his rating. Go listen to the new Tim McCraw song, Gravity. And then you give your one through five Rebecca Blacks. And you can combine it with mine for best out of 10 Rebecca Blacks. And you can email your answer to me at uh, dogmenteerspodcasts at gmail.com. Review us on your favorite podcast player. We'd really appreciate it. And also, Drew does a sports show. Because we usually do sports-themed documentaries. This is a climbing movie. It's a sporty documentary. And you can hear more of Drew discussing sports at WalkItOffRadio.com and at WalkItOff on Twitter and Instagram. So go to WalkItOffRadio.com. It will lead you, I'm sure, to WXNA where he does the show. Folks, I'm getting Gabby. The office door is open, which means I'm keeping my wife up. It's too late at night. Let's get into this movie, Free Solo, by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai. Vasarhelyi. Healy, keep
1: on docking. Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe. And then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out.
0: seems to be a a big critical darling. Well, not only by critics, but by people, anyone who happens to go see this movie. And I think that high Rotten Tomato score is attributed to people coming to this that, I mean, it's not like a Mission Impossible movie. It's not Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's like people who are going to see this are like,
1: I want to see if this guy lives or dies. Or do you're saying that... The High Rotten Tomato score might have something to do with people liking this movie? Or people just wanting to go see this movie about this particular subject matter to begin with. That's true, although I don't know all that many people who are like, shit, yeah, let's go see some rock climbing. If that was the only audience, you would be doing so well. Our audience is one that likes documentaries because we're the documenteers. You had a friend... I came and watched it with us he was a climber we got to really notice stuff here that kind of drove home what an athletic achievement this might be just watching somebody who is a climber sitting there with us uh thanks again tucker keen nashville based climber he's coming out there with us helping us out getting through this movie giving me some hints a little bit more stuff to follow making a little more sense there but it was cool seeing somebody who's into this watch An achievement like this, and in the same rapt awe that us, who are not at all climbers... Yeah, nor have any desire to be. We'll picture this and just be like, man, this guy is at the pinnacle of his sport. We heard the quote going around coming into this movie, that this is possibly the greatest athletic achievement in anything possible ever. Hell of a lot to say. I mean, it's impressive by a couple of dudes who know nothing about it. But it's also impressive to people who do know about it. It's almost more impressive because they know how much goes into what he did to actually, to even think about taking this on. We're talking about the film, Free Solo. The movie was filmed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vazarheli, a husband and wife team, and Jimmy Chin himself is also an accomplished climber. That was a big part of this movie. Just the film crew getting to be in a position to film this was part of the movie itself. They basically have to climb
0: ahead of the guy the tried and true way with ropes and stuff and buddies, which can be dangerous in its own right, but definitely a lot safer than what we're talking about happens in this movie. A
1: free soloing means literally just a dude, straight climbing, no ropes. A free climb is when you're climbing up there with no assistance, none of the pinions, none of the just hands and feet, but you're still on a rope in case you fall. Yeah. So you don't. You know, end up splattered at the bottom of the mountain, like Alex Honnold said. He would just hit the ground and explode. You don't want that. But free solo, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing except your hands and your feet and your little fanny pack of chalk, of course, to help you out. We see Jimmy Chin a lot in this
0: film because he's friends with Alex. I mean, all these climber dudes, especially when they're at a certain level, are all pretty close and pretty tight. They all know each other. And by even the standards
1: of crazy-ass climbers, Alex Honnold is a fucking weirdo oh no doubt about that that's one of the things that stood out about this movie right away was that it wasn't just going to be about this athletic achievement this attempt at free soloing the face of El Capitan it was going to be a movie a biopic, a biopic I don't know what what you documentary types call that uh biopic, I like biopic well biopic makes more sense biopicture, right? it's a debate that will never be settled (laughs) that's not what we're here for (laughs) We're here to watch
0: this weirdo possibly die. Now, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vossaheli. Elizabeth Vossaheli is a a documentary filmmaker by trade. Uh, Jimmy Chin, he's like a pro skier, pro climber. He is also a photographer and filmmaker and has done a lot of work for National Geographic, which makes sense. Also, National Geographic helped produce this film. They did a movie called Maru, which is also another climbing movie. That where uh, Jimmy Chin and a couple of his friends, they go to uh, this place called... It's the Shark's Fin Route on Maru Peak in the Indian Himalayas. They were married then, too. And apparently... Apparently. This movie has a different outcome than the one that we saw. Apparently, there's some death-defying shit that kind of goes on in that movie. And that movie is pretty well regarded. But the one we're talking about, Free Solo, is actually even more regarded than Maru, which is also a movie that's a pretty big deal
1: to climbers. I know how you feel, you've mentioned it before here on The Documenteers, about the filmmaker, the documentarian, being in their own movie. But this was different, because they weren't just in it as the people doing the filmmaking. They were in this movie as characters, too, as part of the story. It starts out, basically, you hear Alex Honnold talking about how scary it is even to think about climbing El Capitan solo. Jimmy Chin's
0: presence in this film is completely appropriate. It takes climbers to make a movie like this.
1: There's no way this film could have been made. These shots could have been gotten by a filmmaking crew that wasn't consisted of actually, you know, professional climbers themselves. It wouldn't have been possible. And let's get that out of the way real quick. Some of these shots are unbelievable. Beautiful,
0: beautiful movie. They have to climb ahead because throughout this movie, Alex and the other climbers, and these are, we're not gonna know their names. See. We saw this about a week ago. This is in theater style, and in theater style on the documenters means we just went to the theaters and we watched it. We don't have notes. You have a few notes that you've written down, but I am—I have no notes. We are free soloing this podcast right now.
1: How brave and amazing we are! You're free solo, and I'm more free climbing, I guess, because I did take a couple notes down afterwards, after getting home and after talking about the movie for a while. So it was—it was significantly after we actually saw it. We weren't sitting there in the theater scribbling away. We were just as engrossed as everybody else. They really tied us into this movie, man. It became a movie. It didn't really seem like a documentary as much as an actual movie. There seemed to be storylines. There was tension. There were different acts. The tension
0: was very well done. And I think Jimmy Chin's presence in this also lends itself to tension because... There is a moral quandary that Jimmy is having to deal with, and I'm sure Elizabeth was dealing with it as well. We don't see her, I don't think at all, do we?
1: I don't think so. We might have seen her, but she didn't talk about anything.
0: But Jimmy Chin and the other professional climbers, they're having to deal with the fact that he and his production crew are going to be filming this guy doing something, and the odds of them watching someone, their friend, fall to their death is very high. They're going to climb El Capitan in Yosemite. Mac updates are based around, like there's a Yosemite Mac update. After updates, you'll get like pictures. I've had El Capitan as uh, my screensaver on my Mac before. So I've actually, am oddly aware of that, even though I've never been to Yosemite (laughs) Park. That's the most tenuous (laughs) tie-in I've (laughs) I've ever heard. heard. This is my personal tie-in to this. (laughs) I look at that screensaver on my (laughs) Mac. I could climb that. And I look at... And it's hard to convey on a podcast. It's like a fucking wall, straight up. And there are parts where it's hard to know where to begin because I'm talking like little divots in a rock. People are holding themselves on by like a finger. No one has ever been able to free solo
1: climb El Capitan. I don't know if anybody's even really thought about it besides Honnold. I mean, you hear from his friend Tommy Caldwell, who's climbed the most difficult route so far on El Capitan, the Dawn Wall. And he says he would never even think about doing something like this. And he hates that Honnold is even thinking about it. But you hear his moral quandary as well when he's helping him train for this. When he's helping him go over the routes and try to figure out holds that they have. He says that he hates helping him along in this this quest, I guess, that might very well kill him. But he would feel even worse... If Honol tried it and he hadn't helped him out, he hadn't given him every possible advantage that he possibly could before he goes up this... Look, it's a 3,200 foot sheer granite face. El Cap is no joke, this is the center of the climbing world. It's one of the most famous climbs there is. There's been the speed routes done on it, everybody's trying to do a different climb. The route that Honnold's talking about, that this entire movie is about, is called the free Rider. That's the route he's taking. And it consists of 31 pitches, which I had to have explained to me as well, <laughs> that each pitch is basically a segment. A series of moves or a segment of the mountain. And these all have their own names too. And again, in here in the studios a week after watching it, I'm not going to have all the names still stuck in my head. <laughs> no, we, we won't. But it is really cool just seeing this broken down. Again, they had such incredible shots in this film. They would zoom in on his foot, basically, on his toes, the closest zoom you can think of, to say, okay, this is the foothold that he's climbing here. And I'm watching this on this giant screen in the theaters. Like, I don't, I don't see anything. I see absolutely no hold. <laughs> no. And that's not even one of the challenging ones they're talking about. They're like, that's just a foothold that he's on right now. <laughs> like, no, I don't, I don't see anything. It just looks like a straight wall to me. <laughs> Describe Alex Honnold. Describe this guy. I hate to go back to our our past features, but if you haven't listened to every do- episode of The Documenteers, I mean, come on, what are you even doing with your life right I'm now? I'm sure but,
0: they're working
1: through it. But he reminded me right off the bat of the Woodcarver Steiner. Yeah, yeah. The German Werner Herzog film he made me watch.
0: He seems to be very
1: in his own head
0: regarding this, and so driven.
1: That he's really kind of a single-minded, focused guy. Again, somebody that... If you met him or you just watched this, you might refer to nowadays as somebody who might be on the spectrum even. Yeah. Because he really has this singular focus. He doesn't seem to care about anything else except climbing. We meet all these little quirks right away. He lives in his van, which does make a lot of sense. This is his career. He's a professional rock climber. He's one of the greatest in the world. Yeah. And he gets to, by virtue of living in this van, he basically follows the weather where the good climbs will be he's ready to go whenever it's possible now this guy he's kind of mousy
0: looking very wiry very skinny but muscular you gotta be strong as shit when you're climbing anything so this guy he looks small but he's you know he's just strong as fuck he kind of reminds me of like the of me thanks buddy (laughs) (laughs) some of the farm boys i i grew up around i mean There's not a lot of farming, even in my youth. A lot of that has gone to major agricultural corporations and stuff. But you get these skinny-ass farm boys. They're the quiet types, usually. In my uh, country public school I went to, a lot of people would be afraid to mess with, like, the big, fat, redneck types. I would argue that those guys, they're a lot of talk. Like turtles, you know, you get them on their back, and they're pretty much easy pickings. The ones you didn't fuck with, were the skinny, wiry-ass farm boys. They're going to outlast you, and they're faster than you, and they're stronger than you, and they will beat your ass. And I've seen that firsthand, but he reminded me of that type of kid. But I'm not saying he's like a violent type. I'm just saying he, he looks like someone who might be underestimated, but this guy is a world-class athlete. And a world-class weirdo. Since we've watched this movie, because we're recording about a good week after we've, gone to the theaters to see it probably seen like five movies i'm a documenteer. i watch a lot of films so uh the last movie i saw angela and i went to go see the new halloween so i'm trying not to make sure that these movies <laughs> you're trying not cross to mix those sober. two up in your head right i want to keep them separate they're kind of merging together you know the new halloween which you're a fan of the first halloween i highly recommend it spoiler alert alex honnold does not grow up to be michael myers no he doesn't but Alex Honnold's girlfriend, Lori Strode, as played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is in his life. And of course, like any concerned girlfriend, she uh, is concerned about her uh, boyfriend free solo in something that's never been free-soloed. Also, Michael Myers
1: might be halfway up, and he'll have to fight Michael Myers at some point, so... But we do see these shots of Honnold having to, having to basically be in these situations he's not comfortable with we see him talking in front of a bunch of school kids which is very interesting just the way he's so obviously uncomfortable giving these speeches but it's such a big part of his life as an inspiration really as a role model he doesn't like talking about it he doesn't like talking about himself the kids of course have no idea they're just straight up the first question he gets asked how much money do you make rock climbing that's a good question actually i was glad that kid asked that but he said
0: he makes about as much as uh Uh, a dentist he would guess (laughs) but But he doesn't
1: live like a fucking dentist he's literally transient rolling in his van most of the time although a quick search would say that his net worth is in the millions these days oh really this is one of the best in the world and we're talking sponsorships man oh that was such a big part of this movie to me as well just hitting you over the head with how important the sponsorships are in an individual sport like climbers there Honnold doesn't wear anything in this entire movie that's not North Face branded. Everything he wears is North Face. I think I did notice that, but didn't think too much of it. That sports background right away, I was noticing that right away. The sponsorships. Alex Honnold, North Face. Tommy Caldwell, Patagonia. You didn't see these guys in anything else the entire film. Everything they owned was branded. They made sure the that blood they wear that on camera. And
0: then the camera zooms in on a blood-splattered North Face logo. <laughs>
1: I guess that's the risk you take Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He did have a lot of shirts Some of them were more subtle than others (laughs) But even if it was a jacket, it was a North Face jacket If it was a t-shirt, it was a North Face t-shirt That's what you gotta do You gotta do to be able to live this life To be that independent To make it your entire career, your entire life Even if you're living in a van Even if you're trying to cook food that's real weird Those scenes of him in the van are just so entertaining Right off the bat Trying to get a feel of this guy's personality What's he doing? He's just putting random stuff in a frying pan and be like, oh, maybe this will taste good eventually. Figure it out, man. <laughs> Make a grilled cheese sandwich. And when Alex
0: Hanold is asked about love, he seems actually very dismissive of it. And it's amazing what his girlfriend, Lori Strode, is willing to...
1: <laughs> Stop mixing up your movies.
0: <laughs> what? Am I wrong? <laughs> 1978, she was almost murdered by Michael Myers. And now she's here. I mean, he's just not very... Thoughtful about
1: what she's gone through, you know? They ask him in that early scene if his career has been good for getting a girlfriend, and everybody laughs. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, well, not really, because I live in a van. <laughs> and I travel all the time. Makes <laughs> thing's kinda tough. But later on, he does have his girlfriend, and no, it's not Jamie Lee Curtis. It's, you kidder. What's her name again? Sonny. Sonny McCandles. McCandless. So him and Sonny are now sort of a couple. Item, good for them. They have a real nice meet-cute where he was at a book signing and her friends dared her to put her number in the book when she (laughs) gave it to him to get signed. (laughs) It's very adorable. Oh, those crazy kids. Now, uh, was she a climber before she met him? I don't think so. It seemed like... She was kind of athletic and outdoorsy, and that was that helped them get along. And they both thought each other were cute. Yeah. That helps. They do some climbing together, and
0: there was one time where I can't remember exactly what she did wrong because we're not climbers, but
1: something happened to where he dropped like 30 feet. I think she lost her grip on the rope she was holding, and he ended up dropping and having compression fractures in his spine. So he's down there on this chiropractor's table like, I think I'm going to break up with her. <laughs> she dropped me and i broke my spine (laughs) you know and she talks him out of it real easy by saying hey would that make your life any better (laughs) that's that female psychology stuff man does alex
0: require
1: his any girlfriend he has to climb it's gotta be i mean he says that's where he took her on their first date was climbing because he knew it would impress her yeah and i mean obviously that's that would impress me Yeah. I mean, you can impress me while I sit in a lawn chair at
0: the base of the cliff. That's fine.
1: But it's his entire life. Climbing is who he is. He doesn't seem to have any other hobbies. He doesn't do anything else except prepare for his climbs and do his climbs and talk about his climbs. So if you're going to be dating Alex Honnold... You better have an interest in climbing. So they don't break up even after his spinal compression fractures. He must really like her. The chiropractor basically tells him it's no big deal. I don't know. I wasn't quite too sure on that one. Doctors (laughs) were like, "Hey, there are compression fractures in your spine," and uh, eh. We get to talk about young Alex Honnold too, kind of meet his family, and here this shocked me that he was a strange loner kid. Couldn't believe that.
0: And he murdered, he stabbed his sister to death too and had to be sent away to like a mental health hospital for a very long time until Halloween 1978 when he
1: escaped. It was kind of scary, man. That's,
0: Lots, especially if you're afraid of heights, don't see this movie. That's true. Oh yeah, because they're, let's talk about these camera angles. Beautiful shots. Jimmy Chin and his crew, they have to scale El Capitan, and basically they're rappelling downs or dangling cameras. Not only are they professional climbers, but they are
1: experienced photographers for National Geographic. They basically had to do these climbs themselves, but also consider camera angles while they're doing it, and also think about staying out of his way while he's climbing. So they had to put themselves in very, very specific, well-researched positions to get these shots, and then they're using every possible technique they can there's drone cameras out there that are way above them trying to get these shots down at this rock face there's guys on the ground using insanely long telephoto lenses to zoom in from the ground level basically every type of camera you can use they're using to try to get some of these shots yeah they're they're really taking advantage of that national geographic money and it's working i mean the shots they get are absolutely incredible visually it pays off and
0: I, I felt very tense. I've got that restless leg syndrome thing where I shake my leg like crazy. I don't think my leg ever stopped shaking in this movie. I was like uh, very wound up watching this guy. And even when he's testing the the routes with his friends, with ropes, we see him at parts of the wall that he's going to have to conquer. And he's failing. And he's dropping. And even those scenes where you know he's pretty much relatively safe, it's still tense because it's like, dude, are you really going to be able to do that? Maybe that part was edited out, but we never saw a safety climb where he succeeds
1: the way he wanted to in certain parts of this route. Well, he's testing, too. He's basically testing out what he could possibly do to make a free solo run as easy as possible. This film's a slow burn, man. We know from the beginning that it's about him attempting this free solo of El Cap, but we don't only see that. We see clips of it right away of him free soloing. They're kind of interspersed through it. The attempt does take place, but so much of the movie is more on his mindset. You don't even know if they didn't show it earlier. You wouldn't even know if he actually gets to a point where he can do this because he's very honest saying it's terrifying to think about it. But again, he just... It's all he can think about, basically. He's training for this. He's going up there with Tommy Caldwell, who (laughs) he said he basically had his posters on the wall. Like this was one of his heroes. And now he's up there helping him climb the center of the rock climbing universe, plan out these routes, plan out their moves. That's what was so impressive between somebody who doesn't know anything about rock climbing or somebody who knows a little bit, or somebody who knows quite a bit, how it's so impressive in different ways to everybody. They put it out there, and I think it's Tommy Caldwell, actually, who says it, that it might be even more impressive for people who do know what's happening, because they do know how dangerous every single part of this is. But in the movie, more layman's would see him planning out every single one of his moves. He's got his climb journal that he writes in incessantly after every single climb. And he has every move, every handhold, every feature of this this mountain written down, and he's poring over his notes studying it. By the time he's climbing up this mountain, he knows I put my foot in this spot, I put my hand in this spot, I move over this way. For every step of this over 3,000 <laughs> foot climb.
0: You know, online they have these things called, with with, with classic video games, speed speedruns. Super Mario Brothers, that's a game that's very commonly used for speedruns. Speedruns being how fast can you get to the very end of the game from the beginning. And in order to do that, you have to know exactly where to jump, how fast and where to jump, where to position your little Mario, where to go specifically. And if you are a second off or you don't make that jump just right, you fall out of your computer chair and die. That's right. This is like a more extreme. As far as like knowing every nook and cranny, that's kind of what it made me think of. The safe version, because that's the version that I would try. I would not try this. I'm not necessarily afraid of heights, but I'm definitely too much of a coward to try something like
1: this. (laughs) Almost everybody in the world, except for Alex Honnell, is too too afraid to try this. Even other climbers. It's insane. That's why it's mentioned as this unbelievable athletic feat. Just one of the top things anyone's ever seen anywhere. It might seem safe, thinking that he has everything planned out. And again, the filmmakers do a great job of showing us this. Showing him up on the mountain studying this thing. There's a couple pitches near the middle of the route that he calls the crux, the most difficult part of it. And it's a choice of two different pitches to get to the next part. And these I actually do remember the names of. There's one they show right away that's called Teflon Alley or something like that. And it's absolutely sheer, slippery face that you have to to prop yourself up against the sidewalls. You can totally see me right now on this podcast doing it with my hands and feet. (laughs) He's scaling the walls of the studio right now. And your pressure has to be exact on each side for every move. You're not standing on anything. You're just being held up by that pressure on the side.
0: There's no divots. It's all hands stuck through a crack. There's nothing
1: for your feet. And right away, they kind of rule that one out. (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to try that with no ropes. Yeah. (laughs) There's one little lapse of pressure, and you slide down. There's nothing to hold on to whatsoever. So the other way they can get through this crux is by going through one called the boulder problem. And we see him working on this over and over again, where they mention a half thumb hold. This is how goddamn insane this is. (laughs) Like, oh, this is the way you do it. This is the easiest way to get through, is at this one particular spot on the face of this 3,000-foot mountain, there's a spot that's big enough for half your thumb, obviously. So you press into that with half of your thumb, and then you have to switch hands as you move across with your feet. Onto your other thumb. What the hell? Yeah.
0: He has to hold his whole body up with half of his thumb. And not only do
1: that, but transfer to his other thumb while he's doing it. And that'll let you reach out to a little protrusion that's about the size of a loaf of bread, where you can grab it with two hands. And then you have a choice of getting to the next part by either just swinging yourself off that loaf of bread and jumping to the next part or karate kicking (laughs) by leaning out incredibly far while you're holding on to this loaf of bread style protrusion and bracing yourself up against that other wall with your leg fully extended into a high karate kick. So they're showing us both of these techniques and he's falling on both of these techniques with the ropes. And right away he's basically saying, look, I'm not going to jump with no rope because <laughs> that's immediately life's over if you screw that up in the slightest at least with the karate kick you don't get a great start you can kind of back it up and do it again because you have some sort of hold once you fully commit to it and put the pressure on that foot you're you're either falling or you're not but he thinks that that's going to be the, the way to go through this this boulder problem
0: anything less than perfection is death on any of these on any of these even the ones that don't have cool names like the boulder problem <laughs> (laughs) or the Myers are still unbelievable we get some montage of some free soloers from the past there's a very brief montage of some old news reports talking about this crazy trend of free solo climbing which is actually very small amongst even amongst people who climb for a living or even professionally the amount of people that free solo are I
1: think they said way less than 10 percent right very very few especially incredibly difficult climbs and then they just kind of casually throw in that almost everybody who is a celebrity in this free soloing world is dead now. I saw one dude just like launching his body in
0: midair. Showing off to the cameras it would appear just to grab like a ledge in a free solo climb. Most everyone in that montage uh, is not with us anymore. And while they're in the process of mapping out this climb, people that they know are perishing. Uli. A climber named Uli dies just before he attempts his free solo climb. And Uli, everyone, all these guys know each other. All these
1: guys had a lot of respect for Uli. They've climbed together too. And this has to be explained to Alex, basically, by his girlfriend, Sani. This is how she's feeling when he's talking about this. (laughs) She's like, look, Uli's wife, that's me in this situation. He's not coming back, he's dead. If you try this and you die, that's how I'm going to be. And he's like, yeah. He's so cold. He just doesn't get high or low, his personality. It reminds me so much of Woodcarver Steiner in that earlier film. He only cares about what he cares about. He's so incredibly focused, and he's so almost, almost neurotic about the details of it that it allows him also to be transcendent at what he does. He's just so unbelievably good at it that other people kind of don't really matter. That has absolutely no bearing on my climb that other people have died doing this exact same sport. It doesn't matter to me at all. Mine is on my preparation, on my skill. And that's true. But still, other people aren't looking at it that way. His girlfriend certainly isn't. (laughs) I mean, after what his girlfriend has survived
0: in her small town in Illinois, regarding that masked murderer, he could be a little more thoughtful in terms of the trauma that she's been through.
1: You might have to slow it down on the movies, man. I know this is... This is your full-time job, documenteering and all. But did Thanos need to be in this? Really? We do get a better glimpse into his personality when they talk about his family, his younger years, how that formed him. I like that that idea that they said he was a weird loner kid. So when he he didn't have these many hobbies, but when he was rock climbing, he basically just says it flat out. He's like, "It was great because I didn't have to talk to anyone. I'd nice. be climbing a mountain by myself. <laughs> There's no one talking to me." It's great. I liked it. <laughs> no problems there. That's why I climb trees. His father was, was diagnosed autistic. Yeah, they seem like he never really praised him too much. wasn't a big hugger. They said not a guy Alex that was said like. said he I never love you. hugged until he was twenty three years old. <laughs> <laughs> this so is had- hilarious. This movie is funny as well. It really is. The way they frame some of these conversations with him. Yeah, the awkwardness
0: of Alex, or uh, the audience in the theater was was laughing at him.
1: He's 100% serious all the time. He's not really making jokes, but just the way his worldview is is so different. He's totally serious here. He says he had to learn to hug at 23, and then he smiles at the camera, and he's like, I'm pretty good at it now. (laughs) He's such a weirdo. (laughs) Not
0: just by our standards, but by his pro-climber friends. They say in this movie that they never know what he's thinking. And while they're trying to... We're getting closer to Alex wanting to make this attempt, but he's got issues with the cameras being around. In order to do this the way he wants to do this, he's going to have to start like way early in the morning, assuming weather conditions are right. And when it's still dark out and then the sun comes up, that's the best time for him to do it. That way he's about an hour up the mountain by the time the sun comes out.
1: He doesn't want to get to the crux when the sun's right on it. There's different spots where there's going to be different glare. Again, he has every single hand and foothold mapped out. I really wish I could remember the pitch that's 480 feet up this mountain. I remember the, how high up it was, but I cannot remember the name of the pitch that we spent a lot of time on. First of all, he's climbing that one with Sonny again who never get her opinion on if he's a good hugger. He really could have used some corroboration on that claim. But he falls again climbing with her and hurts his ankle. Really sprains his ankle pretty badly. And now he's talking about how uh, maybe she's bad for me. I, I don't fall, and now I've fallen twice in the short amount of time. And the ankle's really swollen up. I mean, I've played tons of sports in my life. I've hurt my ankle pretty badly, swollen it, sprained it, broken some bones in there. They mentioned that an ankle sprain is basically tears in the ligaments so he's there trying to put his climbing shoe over this incredibly swollen ankle and he's still practicing this somebody says in the film that it could take like six months to get over an ankle sprain and get back to climbing Jeez. and then all of a sudden we see him climbing and the screen crawl at the bottom is like two weeks later <laughs> yeah He's going on uh, one of the, like a climbing gym.
0: There's a lot more of these nowadays than there used to be. Places you can go where you can do a little uh, man-made structured rock climbing. That seems like a thing that's more common
1: than it was when we were kids. That's great. Watching him climb it with the giant boot on his foot. Yeah. Right away. And Sonny's there at the bottom holding the rope for him. <laughs> and he's being
0: very careful too, it seems. Even with
1: this this thing that to him looks, is probably very easy yeah that's what made this comical too is he's climbing it with the boot which is kind of ridiculous visuals anyways but knowing in your head again this guy is the absolute pinnacle of the sport (laughs) and he's climbing like a rock face (laughs) made for you know recreational fun the hand grips on these are those big grips that you see on all those man-made climbing walls and after seeing the The grips that he calls grips on his actual climbs, the footholds, the half thumb holds. It's comical watching him climb just a climbing wall. He's trying to give himself (laughs) a little bit of a challenge and she's there at the bottom holding him and encouraging him. It's it's just a funny scene, but it shows that he doesn't really know anything else. Even with this boot on, he's like, "Uh, I'm going to go climbing. And he goes back to working on El Cap before this ankle swelling is gone completely. We don't get the full timeline when his healing up process happens as opposed to when he's making the attempts at this. He's in the van, (laughs) talking to Sonny, who's apparently living in the van with him at times, or staying there at least. She must really like this boy. I love his description of uh, when he's asked to talk about her and like how life is with with her in the van. He's like, oh, it's better. Uh, She's cute. She's small. She doesn't take up much space in the van. (laughs) We get a great comedic scene there, too, where they go to buy a house in Vegas. And again, he's totally nonplussed by this whole thing. He's just like, you know, I think think Sonny would probably like it if we had a house. He has to think, what would normal human do (laughs) in scenario? (laughs) They're buying a house in Vegas because there's plenty of great climbing nearby Vegas. And just this hilarious scene of them looking at this place. And she's out there with all the tape measures trying to measure what's going to go where. And he's just not helping in the slightest. (laughs) He could care less about any of this. I
0: kind of relate to this. Angela gets real hung up on the details of decorations. It's not something I like to think about that much. And I encourage her just to
1: kind of go for it. They end up buying a tiny cheap fridge for some reason that'll fit in the spot. I love
0: they get like they got a. That's a good price for that fridge. What did they pay like three, four (laughs) hundred? That's a
1: good price. Hey, that's what this movie is about. Hella negotiating. Yeah. She's mad at him for a minute about <laughs> about how he would not help at all in this house buying process. She'll get over it. She'll I've, get past this soon. <laughs> I mean, he's got the money, don't he? Oh, yeah. He's got the money, but he does not care. <laughs> yeah, The only thing on his mind is this climbing. He talks again about his family. He says that his mother never told him that she loved him. Aww. And then he says, oh, she said like she was a French teacher and she said whatever the hell I love you is in French all the she time. Said, Tom,
0: which is the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, It's the same thing,
1: Alex. Come on, Alex. She said it all the
0: time. She said
1: jeton. No, she never said I love you. (laughs) No, she did. Just in another language. And she also supports him in this. Which is a really interesting part of this interview as well. That I talked to his mother about him free soloing. And she says, the only thing I'm really grateful about is that he never tells me before he does it. And I thought the same way thinking about my mom and all the crazy dumb things we've done and athletic things that me and my brother have done. And I can totally see that mindset. You don't want to say it before because then she's going to be worried sick about you the entire time. But once you get to the top then you can call your mom and say, I did this. She's very worried, obviously. She would definitely prefer that he does not do any free soloing. But it's the thing that makes him the happiest in the entire world. And she wouldn't dream about telling him not to do that. He attempts the free solo at first, and then he says he can't do
0: it. He's really in his head about this shit.
1: Man, we thought we got to this movie finally. (laughs) Again, this slow burn. This film crew, I don't really understand how they do this. Are they just up on the mountain ready every single day in case that's the day he decides to climb it?
0: I think so, yeah. And, I mean, we see shots of them at the top, and they're getting radioed in, it's like, he's not doing it right now. He backed out right now. So, yeah, yeah,
1: that is what they're doing. And they do have an idea of what days might be right for this. They know the weather conditions have to be perfect, and they know his headspace has to be perfect, too. And the day before he actually does this, Sonny kind of pulls it out of him in a conversation in the van that was a little bit awkward there. She's really... You can't be subtle with Alex Anil. <laughs> she has to kind of really heavily lay on these hints that I don't really want you to agree solo <laughs> because you might die. Right. There's a great little conversation there where he says that he doesn't feel the need to maximize his lifespan for her. Has anyone ever said that to anyone? It's so weird. It's so awkward. But it makes so much sense in the context, too. Again, she's not subtle laying on these hints that she doesn't really want him to do that. She's talking about a future. Now that you have me in your life, do you feel this need to not risk your life now that we have this thing together that would end if you fall and explode at the bottom of a cliff nah uh lori strode uh no sorry Sani,
0: sonny um they have one evening together in the van while they're over at yosemite and then she eventually she drives off alex goes up to the the rock face, and he starts climbing. Beautiful shot we have of him slowly walking up to this mountain face in the dark. It's hard to say who's holding the camera here. It could be Elizabeth. But we get the vibe that they're not communicating with the rest of the crew, Jimmy Chin and the rest of the, the camera crew and producers. This one camera that's following him, it watches him go up. And then when morning comes around, Jimmy Chin gets a call through the walkie-talkie. He's like, he's, he's up. He's already going. And he's going. But we have one guy, I wish we could remember his name, who's sitting at the base watching
1: With him. the giant zoom lens. They're in place, and he gets past that 480-foot high pitch, the one where he gave up before, the one where he fell earlier. He gets past it. And that radio call to Jimmy that says he's doing it, he's climbing, he goes, oh, where is he? Oh, he's already, like, way further up. Yeah. He is booking it. He's feeling it right now. He's obviously got it going on. He gets to that a down climb. Right, cuz there's a part where he has to climb he's down doing this to free climb rider up. route. Yeah. So to take this route, there are some sideways, there's some times, but there's also down climbs where he has to go back to get to a route where he's got better handholds. And it does this down climb and he gets up to the next area where there's a little ledge and there's people on it. There's a dude
0: dressed like a unicorn. Uh, how many people were there? One, as far as we could tell. I couldn't
1: really tell. There were tents and sleeping bags and a dude in a unicorn onesie. And we see the filmmaker at the bottom with the zoom lens. He's like, what the hell is this? And when
0: Alex gets to where that guy is, it's funny to see Alex seemingly... Based on the shot that we saw, seemingly unfazed by this dude. Completely. He's in the zone. He just keeps going. And we see this dude, like, scrambling to put his unicorn outfit on. He was attempting to do
1: something. Maybe he was just camping halfway up this mountain. (laughs) But it's insane. The movie is so tense at this point. He's finally doing it. He's doing this free solo, this absolutely... The verge of death at all times climb that the entire film is built up to and then he gets to this part and there's a dude in a fucking unicorn onesie we don't know it's not explained (laughs) how did they miss that when they were all scouting (laughs) out this mountain setting up the cameras earlier right it's not explained there's probably no answer (laughs) the guy's up there he's like oh that's he knows it's Honold. like (laughs) he's going for it the dude in the unicorn onesie must be really stoked right now Alex is in the zone he just blows right past them and keeps climbing I wonder if Alex even like saw him He was in the zone
0: man It's like how a marathon runner once they're in the zone It's like the world is just shut up around them And they
1: they're only moving one step in front of the other But he knows it every time he gets past a difficult pitch He kind of looks up at one of the cameras and gives them a smile Yeah Like he's feeling great right now These are the only times we witness emotion from Alex He's totally booking it. Yeah. He's flying up this hill. Every time we, they get on the radio to talk from Jimmy Chin at the top, and God, what's his name at the bottom? Yeah. who we cannot wish- watch every time there's a difficult segment.
0: When he goes to the parts where we've seen him fall multiple times during practice, this guy's like turning away from the camera because he cannot see.
1: He's sure he's going to watch his friend fall to his death. And these are his friends. The filmmakers were such a big part of this. We had scenes in the movie over and over again with them talking about how we have to move cameras or move people to not be to not distract him in any tiny, tiny way. And their own personal dilemma of saying, look, if maybe because we're here, if we're filming him, he climbs slightly differently and then he falls and dies are we going to be able to to live with that? Will we be able to live with the footage of our friend just dropping out of the bottom of the frame? It's really very emotional for them as well. And you can see this in this final when he's actually doing the climb. The guy at the bottom of the just turning away. He cannot bear to watch. And he yells at the other people down there. He's like, how can you watch this? But Alex is moving. He gets to the boulder problem, the crux of this climb. And we see this half thumb hold. We see him do the karate kick. Fucking nails it. He nails it. But that's the first time we see him successfully do it. There's another segment a little higher up called the Enduro something. Let's just make it up. The pitch is the Enduro. You want to just make up some names for these? Because these have some pretty cool names here. The John Carpenter. It's just single-minded. But we've got all sorts of crazy names for some of the. Again, free rider is the one he's climbing. There's the Don Wall on the other side. There's the Dr. Loomis. <laughs> There's, like, glorious Chairman Mao's Path Through the Sky. There's all sorts of insane names for these different routes. But he gets to this pitch sort of high up near the top. Called the Enduro Climb or something like that, because it's all on your arms. You're already up about 2,000 feet at least, and now... This part is entirely arms. There's nowhere for your legs. You're climbing through the- You're following this crack up the mountain that you can get your fingertips into. But this one pitch is all on your arms. You have to do this moving arm holds again. You can totally see me doing it right here in the studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is how involved I got in some of these scenes. <laughs> It's really edge of your seat type of stuff. I noticed when we were watching this, you were attempting to
0: climb the air. (laughs) Very weird. Getting real fired up. Getting (laughs) real pumped
1: up. That sounded so difficult. They kind of glossed over that a little bit. They mentioned like, yeah, it's really hard to do this entirely arms climb after you've already climbed for this far. (laughs) But he nails that one too. He's in the zone. He's making it. He's getting near the top. We see a very gradual, gradual slope. That's right near the top of it. The final pitch. And Alex is almost running. Yeah. He's almost running up this thing. He's gotten through all the hard parts. And now it's within his grasp. And that's when he slips
0: and just falls off the mountain. And then he fucking dies. <laughs> North Face logos covered in blood. The camera slowly zooms in on a North Face logo. And then text on the screen says brought to you by the North Face.
1: No, no, he doesn't. He's running up the final pitch. (laughs) He makes it to the top of the mountain where Jimmy Chin is waiting for him, where they have the most epic film moment right here. Obviously, this is one of the drone cameras, and it just slowly zooms out from him at the edge, at the top, at the pinnacle of El Cap, and it just keeps pulling out further and further the shot. And the shot, a beautiful view to show exactly how far
0: he came. And how long did it take him to do this? They said like three and a half hours. Three
1: hours, 56 minutes. That seems fast. It's really fast. <laughs> and he did it free solo. He just, he was in the zone again. That's all I can think of to say in this. And you're picturing it in your own head. Once again, I mean... Baseball was my main sport growing up, played the hell out of some baseball, played at a pretty decent level. To have other people watch me play baseball, people who've never played, they're like, oh, that guy's really good at baseball. And then you see someone like me watching the major leaguers and knowing just how far above that skill level these guys are. Right. It's a different planet from even someone who anyone else would look at and be like, oh, you're really good at baseball. No, that's an entirely different level. And to see that with rock climbing, to see somebody who's like, oh man, you're really good at rock climbing. And then to see their take on Alex Honnell free soloing the nose of El Cap is that same jump. Just that jump from good at something to absolutely fucking sublime
0: and you don't want to underestimate the physical feat that we witness in this film and that's what's unique about this documentary is that you know there's a lot of documentaries uh that you know especially that deal with speculative things true crime things that often don't have that much of a conclusion this one literally concludes in someone doing something physically that no one has ever done
1: before never
0: that professionals wouldn't even dream of attempting that even though it's been
1: done once, could still be nearly impossible for anyone else to do it. Alex and Jimmy Chin embrace at the top of the mountain. It's just, you can feel what an incredibly special moment it is. He just keeps repeating over and over again. The only thing he can think of to say, just this is unbelievable, whatever it was he said. (laughs) He's like, this is, it was amazing. This is unreal it's so so incredible what just happened this feeling he's got a huge wide smile on his face pretty much the only times we've seen him smile in this movie were during this free solo of el cap and then he calls sonny from the from the top again she drove away a few days ago or maybe it was just one day ago when he decided to do it in tears thinking this might be the last time I ever see him. I'm going to be sitting in a hotel room or, where, or in that house in Vegas, wherever she went, not knowing if he did it, if he's going to try it, if he's going to get up there and then bail again because he he might have found that something to maximize his lifespan for. Yeah. But he calls her from the top of the mountain, tells her that he did it, And you can just hear how unbelievably happy both of them are. Their voices are changed from every time we've heard them through the rest of this film. Just this incredible excitement, this incredible happiness. Easily, without even a hesitation, he's saying, I love you. Wow. He's saying those words over the phone from the top of the mountain. And she says
0: back, Michael Myers has escaped. I've got guns at the house. We need to go
1: after him. What a moment. I'm telling the tension in this film. The Uh, way they built that up, though, and again, they don't harp on any of these or focus on them, but just knowing that he's at the top of El Cap with a huge smile on his face, easily telling his girlfriend that he loves her. is so special. She better (laughs) soak it in because it's the last time she'll probably ever hear it. And what does
0: he do after they get back down to the base? Oh, well, he's got this rig set up to where he can do like dangling exercises, like arm exercises. Fingertip pull-ups. In his van. And he, he's like, what am I going to do now? I think I'm going to do fucking fingertip pull-ups in my van.
1: <laughs> the, the like, hey, Alex, you just free soloed El Cap. You can probably take a day off.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then they go back to the house that they bought together. Sani gets Alex to go into the secret trap door in their house. And she shoves him down there. He's attempting to stab her. And she manages to get up the steps before he can get her. And she rigs a trap where these blades go through the entrance of the secret way. Alex is trapped in the basement. So then Lori turns on the gas throughout the house, holds a flare over and while she stares down at Alex, who's trapped in the basement, says goodbye Michael Myers, drops the flare, and the gas
1: lights up the house and the house burns down. That probably would have been a better ending than the actual ending. These beautiful shots again of them up on the top of El Cap, and then we get gravity.
0: Tim McGraw song which we didn't know was a Tim McGraw song it kind of doesn't sound like you know what it sounds like a a contemporary like Christian
1: song you expected to hear the word Jesus a lot God, you get this beautiful soaring moment and then this song comes in this song sucks look it's no Indian outlaw I'm an Indian outlaw half Cherokee and Choctaw my baby she's a Chippewa oh she's a one of a kind it's a really bad song. Once it started, I remembered hearing about this when we were looking into going to see this film. That one of the the selling points was that Tim McGraw wrote an original song for this movie. It's called Tim
0: Gravity. Is Tim McGraw really into climbing? I don't think so, because this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, this is what climbers rock out to. It's so bad. We're not rating the song. And it ells the film. How many Rebecca Blacks would you give that Tim
1: McGraw song? None. I'd give it five. None whatsoever. It is not a good song. It was so out of context after this unbelievable soaring National Geographic shot of the entire mountain with him at the top of it. When this song started playing, I was like, are, am, are we a youth group or something? What's going on? Sorry.
0: T- look, Tim McGraw, I'm sure he's a fan of the show we can't knock it out of the park every time but you know what indian outlaw is still a, a great great song
1: all my friends call me bear Claw. the village chicken is my papa. he gets his orders from my momma. she makes him walk alive gravity not so much but there was gravity in this movie you gotta admit we had some jokes too we had a moment where the filmmakers were saw that alex might be climbing they're like oh Hope it's a low gravity day. Ah, I bet that's one of those jokes that climbers hear all the time. Now, Drew, or maybe they were just setting up that song. We don't rate in a star rating scale.
0: Sure, stars provide light so that climbers can see crevices as they're climbing a, a, a wall face. But even then, I'd still like to replace the sun with a giant hertzog head. I'm sure it would provide just as much light. It would be probably preferable to climbers. We rate in a hertzog rating scale. You're going to give this one through five hertzogs. I'm going to give this one through five songs, And then we will combine them and meet at the summit for best out of 10 Herzogs. Drew, what did you think about this movie? Free Solo by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassar-Haley.
1: I was really, really completely impressed by this movie. Not only the shots that they got. Those were unbelievable. I don't think any other film crew could have gotten the camera shots. that They, did. they had audio of him while he was free solo in it. I don't know how they got that. Maybe there were little mics attached to the drones, or maybe it was just those huge parabolic you know, audio I, things. I think
0: that might have been it.
1: Focusing in from far away, like they had the giant zoom lenses for these great shots. They had some killer gear, no but doubt. what they used and the, the dedication it took... This film took place over years. It was years of build-up. If he's going to make this climb, and it gave you the insight into the person that he is. They even had a scene where... <laughs> They had a scene where he's like, I don't know if there's just something wrong with me that I don't get excited about stuff that other people do or I want to do this, you know, life-risking thing. And then the next scene is him in an MRI tube where they're actually checking out his brain to see if there's anything wrong with him. I forgot about that part. <laughs> and they do actually see that the, the amygdala in his brain fires for less stimulus. Things that would have gotten other people excited don't do anything for him. Interesting. So he's either going to be a daredevil or a serial killer and, you know, whatever gets him off. You see what I'm saying? This is why I get the new Halloween in this movie confused. And that's why he couldn't get out of his head for this whole time. The idea of free soloing El Cap, this unbelievable feat that pretty much everybody in his life told him not to do from his climbing heroes to his girlfriend to anybody he would have mentioned it to on the street. would Be like, that's fucking crazy. Don't do that. But he could not get it out of his head that it was something he had to do, and it builds up so well. There was a narrative here. It didn't feel like just a straight biopic where they're focusing in on this guy and his life and what's going to happen to him. There was plenty of that, but there was narrative and there was tension through this entire thing. Again, just these these buildups, the false start the first time he tried to climb it and wondering if he was going to make another attempt or wondering if the film crew would be like, you know, let's move on to something else. I don't know. You know, we've wasted too much time on this. But there's beautiful shots of them climbing, you know, in their regular job. They're climbing in Morocco. Here are other things where he was the first one to free solo half dome in Yosemite. Just all these incredible climbing feats that, again, are not the world I live in, but I can appreciate. It was so well done. It really was in pretty much every facet of this movie was well done. The way they brought his life to the forefront, the way they showed the climbs, the way they built up to it. I was incredibly impressed by all of this. I am gonna give it a four and a half Herzogs. But you know what? Whoa. I'm taking off an entire half herzog for that song at the end. <laughs> four Hertzogs. Four Herzogs. Four point five for the movie, negative five for Gravity by Tim McGraw. <laughs>
0: Wow. Almost the highest score you've given. I think you've
1: tied your highest score. Yeah. I love this film. I thought it was absolutely spectacular. Yeah. I h- highly recommend it. You had a full on erection when we left the theater. Raging. And I wanted to
0: climb everything in sight. Yeah. Drew, for all the reasons that you stated, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement. This isn't my culture, but I could appreciate and understand it because this movie was a learning experience for me. That's kind of the, one of the best things about doing this show is that We're kind of getting an education in a lot of ways, uh, depending on what kind of movies we do here. And this movie was very educational, and they did a really good job at, at framing the context of why this is such a huge deal. And everyone's emotional resonance was completely believable. Really well done. Really well done. I haven't seen every climbing movie out there, but I couldn't imagine many being better or more tense than this one. A lot of documentaries, they try to kind of manipulate you. I mean, this is kind of the nature of a lot of documentaries. It's not a big surprise. And documentaries can still be that way and still be good. But this one, there's no real manipulation here. This guy either accomplishes this task or he doesn't and he dies. And he accomplishes that task. There's no fakery around that. Unless there's some clever cuts where he used a rope, but uh, but judge, but based on Alex Honnold's personality, I know that's not the case. There's no cheaterism here. And Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai, Buster Healy, the power couple themselves, they made a very, very, very good film. And like I said before, if you like John Carpenter's original 1978 Halloween, you're gonna get a lot out of this film as well. That's why I'm gonna give Free Solo four and a half hertzogs Ooh. so you combine your four with my 4.5 you get an 8.5 out of 10 hertzog how many of your
1: 4.5 were for gravity by tim mcgraw
0: i uh let that go that song kind of made me laugh so i just took it in you're right it's not a great song but
1: it added to the humor of the movie it was kind of funny right at the <laughs> end of this movie with all this tension and this release and the the phone calls from the top and then this terrible goddamn song kicks in but that's that movie we got
0: a lot out of it It was a lot of fun going to see that movie drew now that you've watched this movie you want to go rock climbing hell yeah
1: but i will definitely have every single rope attached to me made me want to go straight to the gym as soon as i got out of it i'll take a helicopter ride to the top or maybe a (laughs) ski lift that's how i'll do it all right i'll I'll give you a call from the top and uh you can try and say that you're so Proud. i'll free solo a ski lift straight to the <laughs> top of the mountain again shout out to tucker keen for explaining a lot of this to me it did add to watching the movie to hear a climber kind of giving his full endorsement on this and it kind of explaining some of the terms and helping me understand just just how incredible everything that went into this climb really is and the national geographic letting you just letting the final climb breathe they weren't really overdubbing it they weren't doing any camera tricks They were zooming in, giving you amazing shots. They were seeing him smile into the camera when he got past really stressful scenes. But they just let the final climb speak for itself, and it did. 8.5 out of 10 Herzogs
0: for free solo by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai, Vassar Healy. Drew, I like our in-theaters versions. Just about everyone's done an in-theater version and it's glad to get you in on one.
1: Yeah, this is the first time I've watched a movie that was in theaters with you and came in here to documenteers to talk about it. So you know what? Free solo that thing. Goodbye, notes. All right, folks. <laughs> Keep on docking. Man, we would have died if we, you know, if we stopped talking at any point.
0: Take your condom off. You put inside. <laughs> Bareback, bareback
1: one, Bear back
0: two, bareback one, Bear back two, pick it up, pick a penis and patch it, <laughs> pick a penis and patch it, pick a penis and patch it, pick a
1: pickle pick penises.